Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Hey, go ahead and get your copy of God's Word out this morning. If you've got that with you, and go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'm excited about these next few weeks, uh, we've been saying, but... uh, We've only got two more weeks after today of being here at the gardens, and then we're going to be moving into our new facility beginning in October, and so we're really excited about that, and uh, I'm excited for these last three weeks together. I just believe that they're going to be faith-filled. I just believe it's going to give us the faith we need to charge into this next season for our church and for your own life, and so um, I've got a word today from Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read the story of Zacchaeus the tax collector. Anybody grew up in church, maybe you were to Sunday school and you sang a song about this guy. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Y'all know him? Yeah, you guys know. Wee little man. A wee little man was he. Climbed up in the sycamore tree. Guess. All right, all right, let's go. Worship's done. Worship's done, guys. Worship's done. <laughs> oh, you know that one, Chris? I love it. Okay, good. <laughs> all right, all right. Luke 19. Luke 19, verse number one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, I love this, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. What you doing in the tree, my man? Get down from the tree. Come on. I must stay at your house. Jesus was that guy. Jesus was that friend. He's, he just invites himself over. It's not. He's not asking you. He's telling you. I must come to your house. I'm coming. Let's go. And by the way, I'm Jesus. I know where it is. I'm already on the way. All right, here we go. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Don't you love the crowd always trying to, 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 to put a damper on what Jesus is doing, the grace of God? You know, not everybody likes that Jesus is so gracious. Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. And then I love this last verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Today I want to look at this story. I want to look at Zacchaeus and talk from this idea, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for every person in this room. Thank you for the moments we share around your word. And Lord, I pray today that you would do what I cannot, and that is change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, I pray we would leave this place today not having sang a song and heard a talk, but we would leave today having experienced your presence, having heard from you. So Lord, our ears are open. Our hearts are open to receive what you have for us. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it, somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, you can take your seat this morning. Thank you, worship team. So good to see you all this morning. Are we doing well? We doing well? Man, it's so good to see you. It's a beautiful Sunday. And um, 
If you weren't there this past week, uh, we opened up our new location. Uh, we didn't open it up because it's done and it's ready. We opened it up uh, for our church family to be able to see it and um, for us to be able to worship and pray over the space. And so we had what we called our Oasis family meeting. And uh, we did two different nights this past week, Wednesday night and Thursday night, where we just got into the space and we just prayed over it. We just worshiped. You know, in the Old Testament, the priest always went first with uh, shouts of victory, with instruments, with worship. And so uh, we just wanted to get in the space and pray over it and just give it to the Lord and ask God to do some great things. And so we've got a few pictures from that night. Uh, we, we took some Sharpies and we were just writing scripture and prayer all over the walls. And those walls are going to be covered. And so those, those prayers are just going to be embedded in the walls of our church, what we're believing God to do, uh, breakthrough and miracles uh, in our city and in every single row, every single seat for everybody that calls our church home. And for those that don't call our church home yet, but, but that will experience Jesus um, through, through the ministry. Uh, we were just praying and believing. So it was an amazing night. And uh, again, if you, if you weren't there, you haven't been able to see it yet, uh, three weeks from now is going to be our grand opening um, in, in our new facility. And so it's just a few minutes from here. We're excited to worship there. And so uh, if you come to the gardens on October 4th, like that's fine. It's really nice out there, but we won't be here, okay? So you can enjoy a nice little tour of the gardens, but uh, we won't be here and... Uh, so we're very, very excited about that. Zacchaeus, I love the story of Zacchaeus. As I, as I said, I kind of grew up uh, Sunday school. Anybody just grow up in Sunday school? You grow, okay, so we have a few of us grow up in Sunday school. So this was like one of the stories, you know, it was always one of the stories you heard and always one of the stories. But it was kind of one of those that like as a kid, like you kind of got like the kid version of it. Like, oh, Zacchaeus was just a little short guy. But it's like, actually, no, Zacchaeus was like, Zacchaeus was like a hated guy. Like Zacchaeus, it's one of those that, you know, it's like with Noah and the flood in Sunday school, like, oh, the animals. You're like, actually, no, like everyone dies in this story. This is not, you know, when you get older, you're like, wow, that was a bad story. Like, I just thought it was like the zoo and stuff, you know. And uh, the story of Zacchaeus, it's, it's one of the grace of Jesus. I love how Luke in this gospel, how he finishes up that passage just with the heart of Jesus, he's the, the, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I think that's what this story is. It's, it's Jesus seeking out um, somebody that was lost. And, and it says Jesus is passing through. Jesus is, is traveling. And he, he's actually traveling to the holy city to die on the cross for Zacchaeus. Like in route to die for Zacchaeus, he stops and meets Zacchaeus. How awesome is that? In route um, to, to shed his blood for humanity, Jesus stops and gives us a picture of his heart for humanity that he's about to die for. Don't you love that? And so he, he meets with Zacchaeus. But let's talk about who this character is. Let's talk about who Zacchaeus was. The scriptures give us a few details, a few things about him. It's not very elaborate, but from the few details and from the reactions of the people, we get a lot of information about Zacchaeus. The one everybody knows, again, the Sunday school one is he's just a short guy. He's a short guy. But the scriptures tell us that he was a tax collector and he was wealthy was a tax collector, and he was wealthy. That's not just a job title and a um, description of his income. That tells you a lot about what people thought of him. It would have been impossible in that day to, to hear the phrase, Zacchaeus, a wealthy tax collector, and have neutral emotions. 
<laughs> it would not have been like, oh, that's great. You know, that's, that's his job. Uh, he's, a, he's a teacher. He's a contractor. He's a businessman. It, it, was, not this, it was not something that would have drawn neutral emotions. It was, it was something that would have, uh, it, it would have brought out anger. It would have brought out fury. Because a tax collector was, was a person that enforced and symbolized the fact that they were oppressed by Rome. That they were under the control of Rome, they were under the dominion of Rome, they were under the they they, they were taxed by Rome. And the tax collectors, they they were seen as sellouts because they, they weren't the ones that would buck up against or push up against the fact that they were being controlled by Rome. They were the ones that kind of threw their hands up and were like, Oh well, this stinks for everybody. I'm just gonna be a sellout. I'll go to their side and see if I can make a penny for myself against my own people. So tax collectors were, were not just like, oh, you know, that's, that's just like, you know, they're not very honest in their profession. No, they were sellouts. They were hated. They, they were liars. They were thieves. They were thugs. They, were, they, they had no loyalty. They had no love for their own people. And, and, and I love that even those, the worst of the worst, the sellouts, the, the, the ones that were most hated, Jesus goes up to the tax collector booth and calls Matthew to be his disciple. Jesus goes up to the tree and calls Zacchaeus and so that's who Zacchaeus was if he had to tax somebody if his job was to tax Ben say Ben owed a hundred dollars in taxes what Zacchaeus would do is he would go to Ben on the authority of Rome and instead of saying he owes Rome a hundred dollars which he did he would say he owes Rome five hundred dollars and he would be forced to pay it and he would pocket the rest so he's literally getting wealthy which he was the scripture tells he's wealthy getting wealthy off of the backs of his own people that he's lying to and oppressing. All right, so that's, that's the picture of Zacchaeus. Hence why when Jesus talks with him and calls him down from the tree, the reaction of the crowd is like, what is he doing? Like, this is not the guy you hang out with. This is not the guy you go to their house. This is, you know, there's more favorable people around than Zacchaeus. But nevertheless, that's the person who Jesus approaches that's the person who Jesus wants communion with as we've saying that's the one that Jesus called by name did you notice that Jesus calls him by his name I think this is really significant because the people they didn't call him by his name they called him by his title thief liar sinner but Jesus although he knew his sin he called him by his name the people knew his name and called him by his sin, but Jesus knew his sin and called him by his name. Come on, this is good. I hope this encourages you this morning because Jesus, he, he knows your sin. He knows your mess. He knows, he knows your, your failures and your wrongdoings, yet he doesn't label you with them. He doesn't call you by them. He knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. This is a big deal because maybe some people in your life and some people in your world right now, they don't call you by your name. They call you by what you do, by what you can accomplish, by what you have not accomplished, by what you can't do. You've got a label on you, but Jesus doesn't call you by your label. He calls you by your name. It's a sign of relationship. It's a sign of communion, of intimacy, of love from Jesus. And I love that we see this in Jesus, but I also love some of the traits we see here in Zacchaeus. Even though Zacchaeus is not role model citizen, I think he gives us some insights into what it is to, to meet with Jesus, what it is to hunger and thirst after the things of Jesus. We don't really know in the story why he wanted to see Jesus so bad. It just said he wanted to see him. 
This could have been out of interest, like, hey, I heard there's a guy, he's got big crowds following him, he's done some miracles, he's fed a lot of people with a little bit of food, I'm just interested. You know, it could have been out of desperation, like he's sick of living for himself and and his own lifestyle is eating away at him and he just needs some hope and this is last resort. We, we don't know, the scriptures don't give us insight as to why Zacchaeus was so persistent to see Jesus, but, but I love what we see in Zacchaeus to, to get this meeting to happen. I've got three observations this morning that I want you to write down. The first one is this, Zacchaeus was desperate. Zacchaeus was desperate. Say, how do you know that he was desperate? Because a rich, grown man does not climb trees. <laughs> maybe if their children are involved, maybe at the park, but a rich, grown man in the midst of a crowd does not go climb a tree. Here's what Zacchaeus would have looked like that day. Ridiculous. Like silly. Like, what, what, what are you doing? But I love that his spirit and his mindset is whatever it takes to see Jesus. Whatever it takes, whatever I got to do, whatever branches I have to climb, whatever tree I've got to ascend, however I've got to look to other people, whatever other people have to, have to snicker about and, and say about me as I'm scaling this tree, whatever it takes... I'm going to do it. Zacchaeus was desperate. And I just want to ask you this morning, what, what are you desperate for? Like in your own life, what, what things are you desperate for? Here's, here's a way to figure that out. What you're desperate for, you know what you're desperate for by what you're determined to do. So what things in your life are you most determined to do? Because if you're desperate, it leads to determination. Look at the things in your life you're most determined to do. The things in your life you give up the most for, the things in your life you prioritize. When you get desperate, you get determined. When I get desperate for something, it doesn't matter what people say, it doesn't matter what people think, it doesn't matter if I have to run ahead of the crowd, it doesn't matter if I have to climb a tree and look ridiculous, it doesn't matter what I have to do, how I have to appear, what I have to give up, what I have to sacrifice. If I'm desperate, I'm determined. What in your life are you desperate for? What are you determined above many other things to see happen, to make happen in your life? That's what you are desperate for. What are you desperate for? Desperation leads to determination. Leads to determination. I love that he was willing to do whatever it takes. What are you willing to do to get closer to Jesus? What are you willing to do to get more of Christ in your life? What are you willing to do to grow in your relationship with Jesus? What are you willing to give up? How are you willing to appear to those around you? What are you willing to do? Whatever it takes to get desperate, to get more of Jesus in our life. And we see this all over the scripture. We see this woman who had had the issue of bleeding for 12 years. And according to the law of that day, she wasn't allowed near people. She wasn't allowed to touch people because of her physical issue. But how many know when you get desperate, you get determined? 
And, and, and so she had had this issue of bleeding for 12 years and she hears that Jesus can heal her and she had spent every dime that she had on physicians and doctors for years and she could find no one that could help her and she was desperate and because she was desperate, she was determined, I know I'm not supposed to do this. I know this breaks the cultural norm. I know I could die for this. I know nobody would recommend this. I know everybody thinks I'm crazy but I'm gonna push through the crowd and I'm just gonna reach out and touch the cloak of Jesus because I'm desperate to see him. I'm desperate to be healed. I'm desperate to get to Jesus. And so because of that, I'm so determined nothing's going to stop me. When you get desperate, you get determined. What are you desperate for? The second thing I see in Zacchaeus, and I love this, is Zacchaeus got rid of all excuses. Zacchaeus got rid of all excuses. He wasn't only desperate, but he got rid of excuses. And, and from the text, I, I see he had two legitimate excuses why to not see Jesus, why he could not meet Jesus. The first excuse is this. You could write it down like this. It's the circumstance. It's the circumstance. The scriptures tell us other people were blocking him. In other words, the, the scene did not allow him to get to Jesus. There was too many people uh, there, there was a crowd, and because of where Jesus was and where he was in the crowd, he could not get to him. His circumstance was a hindrance to him seeing Jesus. I was just thinking about my own life and your own life and wondering how many of us make excuses to not get more of God based on our circumstance. How many of us use our circumstance as an excuse to not see Jesus? Well, just the crowd's, the crowd's too big. Jesus is over there. I'm over here. I can't see him. He, he, didn't, he didn't make excuses. He got rid of all excuses. You could say, man, here's a good excuse. 2020. <laughs> right? 2020. Everything we're going through, everything that's been thrown into my life, everything that's been put on my plate this year that I didn't ask for, and I didn't. I. I it, it's not because of our wrong things. You. You can blame your circumstance on on not going after more of God. For maybe it's no one in my family has ever loved Jesus. Like, no, no, I'm the first person in my family to ever devote my life where it meant something beyond church attendance, but every day of the week, I was a devoted follower of Christ. No one in my family has ever done that before. And so, and so because of that, I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I can follow Jesus because it's not, these are excuses we make. Or I don't, I don't know if I can get married and have a God-honoring marriage because I've never seen a God-honoring marriage for the long haul in my family anywhere. So, so it's just the circumstance that I've been given. It's the hand I've been dealt. It's just where I am. And because of where I am, I, I can't get to where God is. I can't get for what God has in my life. I mean, all my other friends, they, they had opportunities to get this schooling or get this internship or get this, get this thing. But because uh, of, of a health issue I had where I, I couldn't even do what I needed to do there. I, I, I can't get where I feel like God is having me. Now I'm telling you, there's all kinds of circumstances. Some we can control, some we can't. And I'm telling you, if you look hard enough, there will be circumstances that will give you excuses to not walk in what God has for you. It's not only circumstantial excuses. The second one that we see is not only the circumstance, but it's the person. 
the second excuse Zacchaeus had was not only, hey, there's a crowd, but hey, I'm short. (laughs) So it's not about what's around me. This excuse is about me. Like there's something about me that is hindering me from getting to Jesus. There's something within me. There's something about me. There's something in my story that's going to hinder me. So I can't see Jesus. And I think there's a lot of things in our own life where we make excuses because of us and who we are to not walk in what God has for me. I mean, you see people in the scripture try to do this. God call out to Moses and the burning bush and Moses, I want you to go and I want you to be my spokesperson, my mouthpiece to bring deliverance for my people. What did Moses do? He made an excuse, not about the circumstance, about him. God, I, I can't. I can't talk clearly, I, I, I stutter, I can't communicate, so because of something about me, I can't do it. How about Jonah? God calls the prophet Jonah to go be a, a, a prophet, to go, to go tell the people about the ways of God, and uh, th- this was not something, this was something, Jonah was just like, uh, I don't like them. <laughs> like, that's not my prayer, I don't like those people, <laughs> That, that, that doesn't hit my uh, passion point, that doesn't hit my sweet spot, that doesn't strike my interest, so I'm not qualified because that's not hitting my strengths or where I'm at. And we could go on and on with examples, but there's, there's tons of examples in the scriptures where people make excuses because of things about them. I'm telling you, I mean, there's excuses you can make about yourself. I remember when I was first asked to preach um, in the youth group, under Pastor Eric Brown, I was 16 years old, the first sermon I ever preached. And uh, at the time, I knew I was called to ministry. I didn't know I was called to preach. Those two things didn't go together for me. And, uh, and, and he, he wanted me to preach. He wanted to communicate. And I had excuses. Here was my excuses. I hate talking in front of people. I get freaked out when I do it. I got this stutter. And every time I have to read something in English class, it's like a sweaty, hot mess. Like, oh, it's just like there was something about Nate that's like, nope, I can't do that. Like, I'm not qualified to do that. I don't want to do that. It doesn't interest me. I'm not good at it. I've got things about me and the way I talk that, that I have disqualified myself because of me. And I love that Zacchaeus had a circumstance that was difficult, something about himself. This is who I, I'm, I'm too short. But, but he got rid of all excuses. So, so I know the hand I've been dealt is difficult. I know I've never seen anyone follow Jesus for, for the majority of their life faithfully. I, I know I've never seen that, but I believe God can do it in me and I can get godly people around me to help and I can start a new thing in my family tree where I can show the future generations. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm terrified and I know I don't know what to do. I feel like I have a lack of knowledge into even how to do it, but I know God is going to equip me and show me and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to get rid of all excuses. 
I, I know God is calling me to start this ministry to, to serve this group of people and to meet this unique need in our city. And I know I've never started a ministry before, and I don't know anything about how to, do you have to start a nonprofit? How do you legally file for a 501c3? I, I don't know any of this stuff. How do you, how do, you do all this stuff? How, and, and excuses, 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 excuses. But, but if, if God's calling you to it and that's God's call in your life, you're going to push past those excuses and you're going to get it done. I know the hand I've been dealt is difficult, and I know me personally with my own struggles, my own insecurities, my own failings, my own past track record that hasn't set me up well. I, I know all of these things that I've done feel like they disqualify me. They are all easy, quick, go-to excuses, but I'm going to get rid of all excuses. I'm going to get rid of of all excuses. I, I, I'm just challenging someone here today who, who has got excuses in your circumstance and you've got excuses about yourself. And, and I'm telling you, I'm not saying they're not legitimate. I'm not saying they're real issues and real things that God can help you work through. But I am saying you cannot use those as excuses to not do what God has called you to do. You, you cannot use those excuses to hinder what God has for your life. They're going to be part of your story. I love this is, this is what God does. God redeems things. If, if we take excuses instead of what God has, we're forgetting that God is in the business of redemption. That's just what God does. God takes messed up things. God takes difficult circumstances. God takes broken, messed up, unqualified people to do his work so that he says, in my weakness, they're strong. And so when God does it, everybody looks at it and says, oh, that was clearly God because that couldn't have been Nate. That was clearly God because that clearly couldn't have been a group of people called Oasis Church because I know those people, they're crazy. When, when God uses broken, jacked up people, when we get rid of excuses, when, when God does that, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. So here's what I want you to think about when excuses come. I want you to write this down. When excuses come, I want you to ask yourself two questions. What am I saying or thinking? And then what does God say? All right, Moses, here's what you're saying or thinking. You're unqualified because you've got a stutter. You're unqualified because you don't feel like you've got the confidence or boldness or articulation to present clearly and boldly before the king, before Pharaoh. Okay, that's what you're saying. Now, here's what I'm saying. Here's what God is saying. Go anyway. I'm going to send you a helper. His name is Aaron. I'm going to equip you to do it. Ask yourself those questions. What am I saying? What are my fears? What are my excuses? And now, what does God say? What does God say? And when it comes to living the Christian life, we do not live by what we think or what we feel. We live by what God says. So here's what I think it, and now all right, here's, what, here's what God says. Don't allow your difficulties to push you away from God, but to push you towards God. I'm telling you, your list of excuses, that list that you've got going in your head right now, the family you were raised in, the long list of sins that you would never shout boldly at this church because you're so ashamed and broken over those things that you've done in your past, maybe years ago, maybe days ago. 
the long list of things you've got, your disqualifiers, your excuses, your inability to do what you feel like God's calling you to do. That list, that list will either be, look, this is important, that will be the thing that pushes you away from God or pushes you towards Him. It won't keep you neutral. It'll either push you away from God or it'll push you towards God. And I'm encouraging today as your pastor, let those excuses, let your weaknesses, let your insecurities, let your shortcomings be what causes you to lean into God's grace and to press into his word and promises, not shy away from them. In our weakness, he is strong. Number three is this, Zacchaeus didn't only show he was desperate, he didn't just get rid of excuses, but the third thing is this, he changed his pursuit. He changed his pursuit. This is kind of mysterious and kind of puzzling, and you know you can read different scholars and different commentaries and stuff on this passage, because we don't we don't really get the full the full story of this scene. It's it's kind of brief in Luke. Luke just describes he's on a tree. Jesus comes and he calls him down from the tree. He says, "I must go to your house." And people, people are murmuring, you know, how can he go to the house of a sinner? And then, like, all of a sudden, Zacchaeus is, like, a different guy. Like, we don't know if Jesus, like, we don't know if they just had a meal together. We don't know if they just talked for, like, five minutes, and Zacchaeus just knew he was God. And his eyes were open to the fact that this was the Messiah, and he had been living for himself, but now he was going to be living for him. And we, we, we don't know if this happened in five minutes. We don't know if this happened in five hours. Like, it's kind of mysterious how it's, it's just they were together, and then all of a sudden, everything changed about this guy. Like, he went from the guy everybody hated who was lying and stealing from everybody to the guy that was like, hey, anybody I've stolen from, I'm giving it back and I'm giving it back several times over. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write every wrong that I've done. And uh, how many know if you're writing every wrong you've done, you're not going to continue to do the wrong? So, like, his, his whole direction had changed. He's showing practically the word repentance. It's a word we've talked about a lot here at Oasis. Repentance just means to change your mind or change your direction. So I was going this way. I was living this way. I was thinking this way. I was talking this way. If I'm repenting, it means I'm changing the direction and now I'm going in this way. So it's impossible to repent and not change your direction. Repentance means you're changing your direction. And so this is what Zacchaeus does. He changes his direction. He changes his direction quickly, suddenly, radically. He finds a new way of living. It's not about himself, and it's not about using other people to benefit himself. Now it's about the ways of the kingdom, the ways of Jesus, and serving other people and living with integrity and, and honesty and generosity. And, and, and we, see, we see Zacchaeus find a new way. And you have to just ask yourself here, like, and again, I, the text doesn't even give answers to this. This is just me wondering as I, as I read my Bible, what, what about that conversation did it for Zacchaeus? You know what I mean? Like, what happened at his house that, that day? What, what kind of conversation, what did Zacchaeus see in Jesus that he'd never seen in anybody else that just caused him in a moment to just change his direction, to just change his pursuit? 
And I don't know what it was. I don't know the words Jesus said there. Maybe that'd be awesome to find out one day in eternity. I don't know if we'll get to do that or not. If we do, that'd be great to find out like what was said, what was said at, at his house that day. What did it for Zacchaeus? But, but here's, here's what I do know because of Zacchaeus's actions and because of the change of direction. Zacchaeus apparently discovered that day there's a better way to live. There's just a better way to live. Because this is true of my life and your life and of Zacchaeus. I want you to write this down. You'll only change your path when you find a better one. You'll only change your direction when you realize there's a better one. And, and, and the good news of Jesus, the truth of God's word, is that God's ways, God's word, God's direction is the better one. It's, it's the best way. It's the way that leads to life, the scripture says. It's the way that leads to things of righteousness and, and, and blessing in eternity with Christ. Zacchaeus changed his direction because I'm convinced when he saw Jesus, when he sat down with Jesus, he realized this is better. This is so much better than the way I've been living. This is, this is so much better than what I've, I've, I've been doing. Jesus is so much greater. Living for Jesus is so much greater than living for Zacchaeus. Living to bring him glory is so much better than living to bring me glory. He found a better way. And I don't know what started it for him again. I don't know if he was looking after Jesus out of pure motives or out of repentance. I just know he was desperate to see him. He got rid of all excuses. And then whatever Jesus did or said, his encounter with him gave him a radical change of direction. Changed his pursuit. He showed him a better way. And he, here's what I want to just, just encourage you with today. And everybody listening to the podcast this week, I, I, I just want to say clearly and loudly, Jesus is a better way. He's a better way. Maybe you're on a path right now living for yourself. Maybe you're in the, the wheel just living the way of the world, just climbing the ladder, just doing your thing, just living for yourself, just living for what you think the world thinks you should be living for. And I'm just here to tell you, Zacchaeus would tell you, there's a better way. And, and you're not going to go a different way until you realize and see and God opens your eyes to Jesus is a better way. In this story even, Chris, come up and help me finish here. In this story even, we get a little picture and a window into why Jesus is a better way. You know, we talk about here, Jesus is our message, and the point of the whole scripture is Jesus, Jesus is, is the focal point of the story of God. The Old Testament points to him, the Gospels declare him, and the New Testament proclaims him and preaches him. And Even... As I said before, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem when he sees Zacchaeus. What is he on the way to Jerusalem to do? To, to die for humanity. So Jesus, again, he's on the way to die for Zacchaeus when he talks to Zacchaeus. How amazing is that? Maybe that's what Jesus told him. I don't know. But even... In the details, we see the grace of Jesus. Even in the details of the story, we see the good news of the gospel. Every little detail, I'm telling you, you've got to study your Bibles. Every detail of the scripture, every word, everything is there to tell us something about who God is or who we are in him. And, and 
and I love that the scripture tells Zacchaeus climbs a sycamore fig tree. And I was looking up sycamore fig trees, and they, I, they probably don't have those at Lewis Ginter. I don't know. They might. You guys can look that up afterwards if you want. I don't know if they do. They're not too common around here. Middle East, Jerusalem, that kind of stuff. It's a very common tree. It's a common wood uh, there in that region of the globe. And he climbs the sycamore fig tree to see Jesus. And almost every scholar believes that the wood that the cross Jesus hung on was made of sycamore fig wood. That was the tree Jesus hung on. That was the tree Jesus bled on. That was the tree Jesus suffocated on and pulled himself up by his by the nails in his hands and suffocated as his rib cage would collapse and it that that's the tree Jesus hung on and and you see the gospel in Zacchaeus trying to scale the tree himself to get to Jesus it's a picture of our own efforts get to God climb the tree do good stop doing bad do more good do more good it's a picture of self-righteousness I'm gonna get to Jesus I'm gonna push through the crowd I know I'm too short but I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna get to Jesus and Jesus just gives us a picture of the gospel he says Zacchaeus come down stop trying on your own (laughs) self-righteousness filthy rags the scripture says you can climb the tree. That's fine. Uh, you, you, you still can't climb high enough. You can't do enough good. You can try. I know you're short, so you're probably trying extra hard. I know you've had a bad past, so you're trying even harder to try to make up for that. Jesus would say, come down. And on the way to Jesus climbing on the tree, he would say, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree because I'm about to get on one for you. Zacchaeus, get off the tree. I'm about to bleed on one for you. And I just think Zacchaeus sitting in his home, sitting with Jesus, is just getting a glimpse of the gospel. Like, I, man, I've stolen so much. I've lied so much, but I, I, I can't do it on my own. But Jesus is offering me a grace that nobody's ever offered me. Jesus is extending me a love that that crowd certainly wasn't giving me. And, and I just, I mean, I, I don't even know how else to respond to it. I'll just give away everything I have. I'll just change it. I'm just going to. Do you see how easy repentance is when, you, when it's driven by love? If, if, you just, if you just talk repentance without love, it's, it's burdensome. But, but if you realize the love of Jesus, repentance isn't even, isn't even hard work. It's just a reaction. Yeah. Whoa. Of course. Of course, Jesus, I'll come down from the tree and you can come over my house. And Jesus would then go on to the holy city to die on the tree for him. And the good news of Jesus for you and for our church and for the city of Richmond is that we don't have to climb the tree of self-righteousness, but Jesus died on the tree for us. And it's that good news that we just get to enjoy. It's that good news that we get to reflect on and digest that really motivates us to get rid of all excuses. God, whatever you're calling me to, like, of course. God, whatever difficult hand I've been dealt, that's fine. You can help me get through that. God, whatever insufficiencies I have about myself, that's fine. I'll, I'll get rid of anything you want me to do. You, you did it all for me, so, so here we go. I'm willing to do whatever it takes because Jesus did whatever it took to get me down off the tree, to go to the tree for me so that I could live for him. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. 
Lord, thank you in this story of this short, mean, hated by his community tax collector. Lord, that you give us a picture of what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of our own self-righteousness, Lord, our own actions and feeling that we need to earn your love or we need to get our goods to outweigh our bads or we need to climb our way up to you, Lord. I just pray today for the person in this room that's living like that and is exhausted. Lord, I pray that you would just set them free today with your gospel. Lord, I pray that they would feel the light burden of the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, I pray for everybody here today that has not been driven maybe by the good news, but it's been driven by excuses. Lord, circumstantial excuses and personal excuses. And Lord, there's, there's a lot of them in this room that are very real. They are very real realities for us. But Lord, I pray that you would help us rid ourselves of all excuses. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just stop at what we think about it, but God, would your spirit shout loudly in our hearts when excuses come what you have to say. And Lord, would we be a people that's not driven by our own fears, our own excuses, but Lord, would we be a people that's driven by your word, by what you say, by what you're calling us to. Father, we thank you for this good news. Lord, we thank you Lord, that you help us overcome every excuse. You are the strength where we are weak. And Lord, we're just believing that we're gonna see you more clearly this day and in days ahead. Lord, we're believing that we're gonna walk in the purpose you have for us as a church. Lord, we're believing that we're gonna be mobilized as a church to help our city see Jesus more clearly. Lord, we're not gonna stop at excuses, but we're gonna walk in what you have for us. And we thank you for that today, Jesus. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.